Welcome to Dreams and Bones, the podcast designed to help us all learn more about practicing the art of creative living. My name is Paul Roberts. And I'm his wife, Carol. And we are the creators of Grow Me a Story. Our website dedicated to the idea that everyone is creative. And inch by inch, row by row, we want to help you grow the creative dreams and bones in your life through conversation with other creatives. As your creativity cultivators, Carol and I are excited to bring you another guest here in 2022 to talk with us about the deep joy and meaning that comes from practicing the art of creative living. Today is part three of our four-part interview with Lori Roberts. We're headed back down to Lori's home in Meridian, Idaho to hear her talk about her love of teaching, singing and storytelling. Well, then let's get started, Carol, with episode three for the month of June, the Dreams and Bones podcast interview with your sister-in-law, Lori Roberts. We see you as someone who practices the art of creative living. Quick answer, do you agree with this? If someone on the street asked you, are you a creative person, what would your answer be? My answer would be yes, but it probably would not have been yes 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. In fact, that class I took with Bruce Ballinger, on the first day of class, he said, who considers yourself a writer? Mm-hmm. I did not raise my hand, mm-hmm. and almost immediately one of my friends said, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you've put out three CDs. You've written a hundred songs. You are a writer. And I was like, uh-oh, okay, I guess. Yeah. What else changed the answer? If 10, 15, 20 years ago, all that time, you wouldn't have said, is there anything else that, that uh, has brought you to the place where you now quickly answer yes? I think that the compulsion to, to tell stories is the biggest thing that changed. And I think it does feel, I feel called Mm. to tell stories. Mm. I feel called to help other people tell stories. And somehow learning that about myself has changed how I see myself as a creative person. Mm. More than me singing or playing any instrument or writing any song, Mm -hmm. the compulsion to tell stories. Just your own stories or telling other people's stories as well? I have begun to dip my toes in telling other people's stories. I have a story about my mom. Hmm. And when this story is about my mom, this, let me put it this way. The story is entirely about my mom. I'm not even in it. Mm-hmm. But I tell it as the day I discovered my mom was a feminist. Mm. Now, I, I we are living in a highly polarized world right now, and me saying my mom is a feminist into a microphone scares me. <laughs> but the story of my mom claiming her own name in yes. 1971, mm-hmm. that she had spent 15 married years signing every document, Mrs. Burtnell Roberts, and then one day went, hello, I have a name, mm-hmm. and marched herself down to the local bank and ordered checks that said her name. Um, this is one of the reasons I'm a feminist. Yeah. 
because for too long it was acceptable for women to not have their own names. And so telling my mom's story, and I do tell that story, I leave myself out of it entirely, made me start thinking about other people's stories I could tell. Yeah. So, um, so in our business, Grow Me a Story, we call ourselves creativity cultivators. And what we want to do is help people grow their creative gifts. So are there people in your life that have filled that role for you? And have you been in that role for others? I mentioned Bruce Ballinger. Bruce was one short class, one a single week class. And Bruce and I are friends on, on Facebook. I tend to run, in him, run into Bruce at Idaho Shakespeare. He has retired from Boise State. And um, Bruce is one of the most integral people in my life and making me feel like my writing was worth listening to and my stories were worth telling. I certainly have other people. I feel like my mom is my, the first person who was the... Um, she was the, the person who said, you can sing this with me and you mm -hmm. can do this with me. I also tell my students that one of the reasons I have them do a TED Talk at the end of the year mm -hmm. is because it's your chance to have your say. And I, I tell them that I discover every year those outgoing introverts in my class who I've hardly heard speak above a whisper and then you put them on stage, even if the stage is the front of my classroom, and they own the room. Mm -hmm. And so I think about people, key moments. A professor in 1995 who said to me, you gave the best presentation in this graduate class. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> These were just a series of really pretty pedestrian, boring presentations that I didn't think much of. And she said, oh, no, you were head and shoulders. And I was just confused because I didn't know that I had done well. Mm. So when the occasional person reaches out and says, you did that well, and you didn't even know you did it well, that got me thinking that I could speak in public. That mm. got me thinking that I could express things in a way that and it's, it's, see, this is so hard because I don't want to sound vain, but you start to realize that not everybody wants to speak in public mm -hmm. and not everybody seems to have the rhythm of it. Mm -hmm. I'm convinced that growing up in church and hearing people speak in public every week right. prepared my brain to be someone who has a rudimentary ability to speak in public before I even really tried to. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and we had lots of different, very varied voices to listen to, even though there were some that were that were consistent grandpa, right. dad, but but yeah, those that, that wide variety of, of of pretty good public speakers to uh, particularly to compare yes differences and, and really my my grandfather really gra grandfather Everett Roberts grandmother Nadine Taylor mm -hmm. and my dad Bert Roberts all have a little bit more of an old school preacher in them mm -hmm. than you would hear at most churches today. And I hear that emotion and that rhythm show up in my voice more as a storyteller yeah. and a public speaker than I do in my everyday life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I like that callback. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is mm -hmm. that feel with the audience. It's, it's that moment when you, when you sense that. Yeah. A little bit. And, and as the presenter, you respond certainly as a teacher i hope that i help students um, find their creative voices 
Um, I try to encourage that creative voice. So much of what I've taught for the last 20 years, I've been teaching for 34 years, so much of what I've taught in the last 20 years is in the world, this horribly esoteric world called literary argument, which is a very specific academic skill that hardly anyone does in the real world unless you're a professor. (laughs) And so one of my goals in teaching literary argument has been to tell kids it's easy to strip your voice out of a literary argument. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I've very intentionally worked on is let's figure out ways to follow the sort of accepted protocols of third person voice Mm -hmm. that still sounds like you. Mm -hmm. And how successful are you at that? I, I think my success is more limited than I want it to be, but mostly because it's, um, I, I need to work harder at it because when we do specific lessons where I talk about voice, I do see it showing up. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's teachable to some extent. It is real hard for some students. Some students, they're lucky if they can get the argument part. Mm-hmm. But for some students, it's like I set them free. And they they flourish when they know that, oh, wait, it's okay if I bring my personality mm-hmm. to some boring kind of essay writing called literary argument. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. well, and before we go into this last question, uh, uh, and I can rearrange this and edit this if I want to. When you are done with realizing you're not ready to retire yet, but when you are done with your educational career and you have uh, a, a, a different schedule, more time on your hands to perhaps pursue some things, what, what do you see you doing with all of that time you're going to get? <laughs> well, I definitely do want to write more. I... I know the title of my memoir. I just don't have very much of it written. So I'd like to work on a memoir or perhaps it's a series of essays style of memoir Hmm. Um, more than um, like a journey through my life. I think it's more of a here are my thoughts on this Mm -hmm. and here are my thoughts on this. What I've been saying for two or three years is I will retire when I know what the next dream job is. So I I don't want anyone to doubt that teaching has been the dream job, especially Mm -hmm. um, uh, starting about year 20. Not that I didn't love the first 20 years, but year 20 is when I feel like I started figuring out how to do it well. Mm -hmm. So it's it's been the dream job. Um, But I I would love to get paid to tell stories Mm -hmm. or to speak in public about any number of other things, whether that's in the sacred space or the secular, or some of both. Are you starting or currently working on a creative project, but don't know what to do next? Do you need someone to talk to? Someone who will give you feedback and tools to get your creativity back on track? This is what Gromia's story is all about. Paul and Carol Willem Roberts, your creativity cultivators, will help you start continue, or complete creative projects, big or small. Visit www.growmeastory.com to learn how Paul and Carol can help. Now, back to Dreams and Bones.
Well, let's talk about, again, some of those, some of those roadblocks. Our experience tells us that all creative people occasionally run into some roadblocks that make the creative process more difficult. Those can be things outside of us, outside of our control, but many times they're internal. We do a lot with Julia Cameron and her book, The Artist's Way, that refers to the censor, this negative voice inside our heads. Uh, Stephen Pressfield in The War of Art talks about resistance, an internal force that stands in the way, he says, of any positive act of creativity. Uh, can you give us some examples of encountering those kinds of uh, difficulties, roadblocks, resistance, and how you overcome those negative voices? Yeah, I guess. Um, I, I do think it is really hard as a person who has spent my whole adult life being a critiquer of writing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is the job of an English teacher. Much of my time is to critique other people's writing. I have a really hard time critiquing my own or hearing my own with any sort of what feels like I just don't feel like I have the ability to know if anything I've written song or word is any good mm. and it's only because of the feedback I get from others I have a few even though I've blogged very little in the last five years I have a few blog fans that I think of I think about Sydney Grubb and mm. I think about mm. my niece Taylor mm -hmm. who say anything you write I want to read it <laughs> and then I think oh really really Oh, well, maybe I need to be writing then. Mm -hmm. So I think that I have trouble knowing if what I'm doing is any good. It is, I find, I relate to it. Who, who said, gosh, was it my guy Hemingway who said writing's easy, you just open up a vein and bleed on the page? <laughs> I find writing tedious, challenging, and then every once in a while, wonderful. And I just... I know as much as anything, I need the stamina to sit down and do it. I need to become a writing streaker. You know, I need to streak mm. right. So I say to myself, I don't mean, yeah, you guys know what I mean by writing. writing <laughs> yeah. I want to write every day. Yeah. And I'm not writing every day. And I want to write every day. And you said recently about your run streak that is now... It'll, it'll be nine years of not missing a day of running on May 31st, so yes. in about two weeks. Yeah. And I heard you say recently that uh, it's the last year or so, it's been at least two miles a day. Yes. That you weren't satisfied with one, one mile, mile a day, it needed to be two miles a day. So how long, in your mind, do you need to write each day for it to count... As writing, because clearly if you ran a hundred yards every day, that would not satisfy you. Right. Would five minutes of writing a day satisfy you? It would, to start with. It would. And I know that that alone would be a really great place to start. Although I, I do think I need to, to go further. And I'd like to say more like, probably to start with 15 minutes a day would be a good goal to start with. There you have it, part three of our four-part interview with Lori Roberts. Carol, did anything stand out for you in this episode? Well, we learned that Lori wants to write, 
But she struggles to get started and finds it hard to critique her own writing. Yeah, I think that that is one of the difficulties. That's why you need to be part of a community. As we bring this episode to a close, we'd like to thank our Sacred Community Garden members and this month's podcast subscribers for helping support the Dreams and Bones podcast and remind them that soon they will have access to bonus material from this Lori Roberts June podcast. If you have found us and you're not a member, but you want to know more about Dreams and Bones, along with that bonus material, go to www.growmeastory.com where you can find out more about practicing the art of creative living with your hosts, Paul and Carol Willem Roberts. Join us next Friday for part four of our interview with Lori Roberts on your Dreams and Bones podcast.